0: You're listening to the Look Great Naked podcast. I'm your host Eric Bach. This is the podcast for men and women who want to look great naked without living in the gym. If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey, what is going on, Eric Bach, your host of the Look Great Naked podcast? And today I have an incredibly special guest, my good friend and mentor Vince Del Monte. And today we're going to talk about how building your body is a lot like building your business. In fact, there are many. Different aspects that you can take and you can pull from the world of business and fitness and apply them back and forth with each other. And one of the biggest things to understand is doing more, biting off more than you can chew, having huge goals isn't always going to serve you in the best way possible. In fact, what we need is we need more strategy. We need to build a life that is improved by our health, by our fitness, and ultimately by your business. If you want to succeed and thrive in every other area of your life. So Vince, thank you so much for making time to be here. How are you doing today, man? Doing good, Eric. How about you? I am incredible. I am incredible. Thank you so much. Vince, man, let's kick it off. I mean, you've had quite the route in the fitness industry. Um, You began as Skinny Vinny as a personal trainer and now as a fitness business coach. Can you tell us a little bit more about this transition and how you really got your legs into the fitness industry first and then how we started making that transformation to where you are now?
1: You want me to start how I started (laughs) off as a personal trainer way back in the day? Yeah, I would love to hear this. Well, I missed my cutoff. I went to be a high school phys ed teacher, but I didn't even make it. 70% was the cutoff. Missed it by 1%. So I think that was a, a sign from God that said, hey, I got some uh, alternate plans for you. So I was coached you know, by my parents, if you will, to uh, pursue something secure, something safe. And that was teacher's college, being a teacher, having summers off. And I'm uh, you know, typically a guy that likes to um, carve my own path. And this was the first opportunity that uh, I did that. And I decided to um, pursue this interest in a world that my family had zero conception of, including myself, <laughs> the world of personal training. You know, most personal trainers have multiple jobs. And I decided to pursue something that had no summers off, uh, no benefits, and um, a whopping $10 per hour at the local wealth YMCA. So as you can imagine, Italian parents, you know, I love my parents to death, but uh, they do have the fear gene, the worry gene, if you will. And, um, they're not as bad as most Italian parents, you know, they'll put their kids in swimming lessons because they're afraid they're going to drown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I um, just fell in love with this world of personal training and helping people write programs or writing them for them the whole world of nutrition and periodization planning. And I also lived with all these buff roommates, So I got to vicariously live through the muscle and how it attracted women and how it increased their popularity and gave them confidence. And I was always fascinated by transferring uh, what I did on the roads. I was a distance runner, a very competitive, long distance runner. Uh, What would happen if I transferred all that effort from the uh, from the roads, you know, running 60 plus miles per week into the gym?
0: So. How did it start? It just started with a curiosity and with some passion. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And curiosity to see hey, is this something that I could be interested in? And, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about fitness, right? You don't have to necessarily start in the gym. You can start running, you can start in many different areas, but through that self- Through that interest, through wanting to improve yourself, it's wild where that can take you. And so you got started, you had roommates, you were getting in incredible shape yourself, and then you started working with people directly. Now, one thing I've heard you talk about in many instances was your focus on being able to get out of pain, right? Getting out of pain, being skinny Vinny. Can you tell us a little bit more about that journey. I'm a naturally skinny guy as well, right? I remember being 15 years old and getting ran over on the football field when my teammate could have ran to wide open grass. You know, I provided less resistance than a blade of grass. And so for me, my personal journey in fitness became how can I get bigger? How can I get stronger to protect myself first? And then by extension, all these other benefits came later down the road.
1: Yeah, for me, it was uh, just a personal goal. It was just that I was tired of the nickname Skinny Vinny. It's, uh, you know, sounds cute that we're talking about it now, but back then, you know, in high school and university, you don't be called skinny ding, you know, especially when you're insecure. So I, um, I just wanted to deal with that nickname. I wanted to, um, make a new name for myself. That was also when my running career uh, essentially was coming to an end. And that's a big part of my story. You know, my dad uh, really cast this vision that, you know, endurance sport was the pure sport. I still believe that endurance sport is maybe one of the purest sports because it's just you, you know, it's, there's nobody that can push you to the finish line. It's just, it's not a team sport, right? You know, competition, there's a team element, but at the end of the day, nobody can carry you across the finish line. So there was a pureness to it. And, um, when I made the shift from running, being a distance runner to this world of bodybuilding, uh, it was perceived as uh, vanity. It was perceived as uh, being in love uh, with myself. So to stop doing something that was presented as pure and something that uh, was inherently a superior to other sports, you know, going into a sport that required you to check yourself in the mirror throughout the day, you can imagine, how <laughs> I could probably trip up your parents. So it was another big part of my story though, you know, moving away from something I was told to do to something that I felt called to do. Interestingly enough, I'm looking back on my life. And as you get a little older, sometimes you can go through seasons of doubt where you start to question yourself and you start to uh, lose confidence in yourself. Maybe certain circumstances in life have happened and you start to uh, not make decisions as confidently as you once did. And um, interestingly, through therapy, I was able to identify that I'm in my highest power when I trust my own voice and I listen to my own inner wisdom. And interestingly enough, I wasn't using those terms back then, but interestingly enough, when I quit running, pursued the world of fitness modeling, bodybuilding, and when I shifted from pursuing a path of security to a path of entrepreneurship, those were the two greatest decisions that I've personally made that have transformed my life. And I take pride in it because those were my decisions. They were not my parents' decisions. They were nobody's decisions. They were my decisions. And I think that's uh, really powerful to to, to to appreciate about how you've got to where you've got and how to get realigned. And that's a big part of how I found my purpose and, my, and uh, how I help people do the same. It's to help them figure out what pain, to answer your question, what pain have you escaped? What pain have you escaped? So I escaped the pain of physically being skinny-vinny, but I also escaped the pain of you know, being fit into a specific identity that wasn't wrong, but it wasn't me. It wasn't my choice. So stepping out of that pain into purpose has become my story. And it's powerful because it is my story. So I think um, we're all on a story. We're all writing a story, if you will. I think the greatest story is telling the story of your transformation from the old you to the new you and there is always a refining of, you know, letting go of the old, embracing the new, but that's scary, but that's what makes it
0: inspiring as well. Yeah. That's incredibly powerful, right? That pain that you've had previously can project you forward into helping you carve your own path, but it's important for that to truly be your path. And I think a lot of people get stuck in this position where they're reading their own script from the past and scared to step into something new. There's a fear in the unknown. There's a fear that something won't work out. There's a fear of doing things differently than how others view you, right? And. Being able to overcome that fear, which could be as simple as stepping into the gym, changing your training style, when you have identified yourself as an athlete or the type of person who runs distance, they don't lift or lifts and they're not a runner. Being able to overcome those challenges, being able to look them directly in the eye, that's what builds your character. And when you build that character, those same lessons can transfer over into every other area of your life. And that's one reason I like to say that fitness is a force multiplier, right? So many of the lessons that I've personally learned in the gym have helped me in business. Everything from hiring a coach and trusting in that goat that coach, such as you know, our relationship together and the coaching side of things, from being able to, you know, delay gratification to do the work that you need to do to be able to build a business, much in the same way that we would when it comes to building lean muscle. Right. Mm -hmm. And one thing that you've really imparted on me over the years is that ultimately, success is your responsibility. Right. And a lot of times, I think we get stuck in thinking, I can't do this. I can't do that. This is too far out from what I'm going to do. But ultimately, that's a script that we're running inside. And so when success and however we want to define it in relation to where somebody is in, in a particular point in their life, being that responsibility, I think that extreme ownership capacity is one thing that really separates those who succeed not just in fitness but in business. Is that something that you've seen across the years both as a, you know, as a coach in the business and In the fitness realm?
1: Absolutely. I mean, of course, right? The the stories you tell yourself right now and the story, uh, the the storyteller that you're listening to is going to dictate how your life ends up shaping. And um, yeah, when you don't take that, you have to ask yourself, so if I don't believe that I'm in control, that I have freedom, right? I have freedom to make my own choice, right? We all have freedom. That's the one thing that nobody can take from you, your freedom to focus, right? Nobody can control what you focus on. No one. Now you can certainly make a case for why certain people's circumstances will make it harder to focus, but nobody can control what you focus on. Your thoughts dictate where you focus, right? Your thoughts become words and your words become sentences and then your sentence become your life sentence. So it all starts- I like that. You like that? So it starts in your mind. So I think we have to really take guard of our mind and, and what thoughts we allow in. And if those thoughts are supporting the future that you want, right? I love that one of the most clarifying questions uh, you can ask anyone in any environment, any coaching uh, you know, relationship, and it's, how's that working out for you? How's that working out? How's that working out for you? So when somebody has a story about perhaps something happening to them, it's how's that working out for you? So I think we always have this opportunity to look at life happening to us or for us. Everybody's heard that. And I think that individuals that make the most of their life One, learn how to manage their own emotions. And this is a concept that I'm starting to finally grasp. I always felt like, no, you did this to me and this is why I feel. No, no one can make you feel anything. Again, your thoughts will create, your thoughts will create words. Your words will create sentences and behaviors that will then form your life sentence. So we have to be very careful. Is what I'm saying, even if it is true, is it helping me move in the direction I want to move? And when you're able to... Capture your thoughts and reframe the story in a way that serves your future. That's when you step out of victim. But staying in victim is a lot easier, a lot more comfortable because uh, you don't have to take ownership of your thoughts, your behaviors, your feelings. So yeah, this is, this is where it's at, right? And this requires a lot of work. You know if you talk to anybody who's been through therapy um a self-reflection process of how their life has got to where it's got without pointing blame without excuses but just taking extreme ownership of yeah i need to own my 100 here and even if there's other pieces at play how can you respond to the store that supports the future that you want a big part is being in the present and it's just being in the present and that comes back to focus nobody can control what you focus on so you can focus on being present right now, in how you think, in how you act, and how you not react to start writing a better
0: story. So yeah, this is this is like this is self mastery at its highest level, right? It truly is. It truly is, right? It, and you know, speaking about therapy, we've both worked with somebody very close to us, you know, so we have very similar thoughts here. And I think one key lesson that I've learned is: what truth do you want to be true? Yeah. Right. What do you line. want to be true? Because ultimately, you—for for an example—you and I could both watch a sporting event with the exact same thing happening and have a completely different interpretation of the events. Right. And we could both be completely factually correct. Right. And this highlights the importance of being present, being in the moment and thinking, what do I want to be true of this situation? If I'm struggling, do I want this to be my identity as somebody who can't get over the hump with this? Or do I view this as a challenge and another chance for me to grow? Yeah, right. And I think it's a beautiful way to look at whatever the obstacle is, whether it's getting your your business off the ground, whether it's overcoming a fat loss plateau, whether it's changing something in your relationship, whether it's mastering a new skill. When you understand these aspects of personal development and you can start to really focus on controlling what you can, cope with what you can't, but then being able to focus on interpreting events as something that can power you to the next evolution of yourself, that is the ultimate in personal development. Now... One thing that I've seen you know, over the years has been your shift in terms of your business. And now you're somebody who focuses so much on having a, a simple but also highly productive business. Can you break that down a little bit more for me and, and tell me really what that means? What does it mean to have a, a business that is simple, that's straightforward and higher leverage than just chasing a big business or a big number?
1: I think it starts with the end in mind. And um, Annie did this exercise with us in um, Houston at our last mastermind. Eric, you were there. And we did the um, exercise on how to design your perfect life. And one of the exercises she walked us through is to describe the emotions that you want at the end of your day, week, month, year. All right. So first of all, most people don't even have emotional literacy. <laughs> in terms of how to name an emotion people say oh, i want this or that like that's not an emotion i want to spend more time with my family that's not an emotion <laughs> so what emotion does that create so the first problem is most especially men don't even have uh, a range of words to describe different emotions which is the problem in itself we won't do that today right? but yeah. for me what showed up were two words <clears throat> presence and purpose so when I, when I use those words, I had to ask myself, so what behaviors would dictate those feelings at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, presence and purpose? So then you start to look at your schedule. You start to look at how many clients you're working with. You look at what you're actually selling. You look at what you're talking about. And you start to realize there might be a lot of misalignments. So one of the things I want to be I want to be um, purposeful about is helping fitness coaches. We got some, uh, you know, consulting from an ad agency that said, "Hey, if you want to expand, there's only six hundred and fifty thousand trainers in North America, and if you want to expand and scale, we need to start t- targeting nutritionists and dietitians, and we need to hit mindset coaches." And we got to hit wellness coaches. I don't even know what a wellness coach is, but it sounded good. And because I wasn't clear on the emotions I want at the end of my day, one presence, purpose. I said, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Let's expand the net. Let's expand the targeting. Next thing you know, ads aren't working. Oh, see, ads don't work. The root issue was I wasn't in tune with the emotion I want at the end of my day, at the end of my month. And I couldn't even be, be present on those calls because it was so just focused on a transaction of scaling and not me being aligned with who I wanted to serve and not having that alignment created chaos and created friction. So what are the feelings I want? That's the first place to start. I want to feel present. What that means is if I have a coaching program that's so big, there's too much to manage, then I'm not going to be able to feel present. I also want to feel purposeful. How do I feel purposeful? It's teaching stuff that I have authority around, purpose around. I can't, I've never built a, a dietitian business. I've never built a holistic business. I bet the principles are the same. I bet I could help somebody, But at the end of the day, I want to know that I helped the type of person that I was. So I think when we start to get clear on who we are, it all starts with getting clear on our identity. Right. I think that's the very biggest thing. And for me as a Christian, you know, sometimes us um, men of faith, women of faith, we can lose our identity in our relationship with Christ as well. In terms of I am loved for who I am, not who I could be and should be. But we live in a performance culture where a lot of us believe that we have to prove ourselves. We have traumas from our past, maybe, uh, you know, expectations from parents, environments, athletics, where you're only good if you arrive here. So we're all operating from traumas. So a big part of building a better business is to get clear on who you are. And this is huge. I don't know if anyone here, everyone here, a few people here have the same faith um, as myself or as yourself in terms of hey, my identity is already formed. I was created in God's image. I was loved. I was uh, given a name and I don't have to prove myself. My identity is not in how much money I make. It's not in how much I accomplish. It doesn't matter how much I accomplish. It doesn't matter uh, if I cross this finish line because that metric is set by the world. So getting clear on who I am, allows me to operate from a place of abundance, a place of gratitude, from a place of presence. I can be present. And those are things that were missing for me in the past. I was your classic achiever. Uh, type three, on uh, number three, I believe, on Enneagram. I'm a driver. I look for opportunities to create pressure to move me forward, constantly creating pressure. And that was because I never felt good enough. Um, I didn't feel like I was a good enough runner, a good enough student. Um, I felt like the expectations to be a certain type of Christian, were, they weren't like clearly set, but it was just that subconscious, you know, environment of like, there's an expectation to perform, to achieve this. Yeah, level. no doubt. Right. You hear what I'm saying? So pressure, pressure, pressure. And, isn't pressure good? No, pressure can kill. Well, pressure produces diamonds. Pressure can also kill. So I think people want, we tell the story that reinforces an insecurity that creates identity, but we have to ask, was that identity rooted in something that was whole? So this has kind of been like the whole me dismantling what is a better business, Um, a better business starts with knowing who I am and whether this business succeeds or fails. I am not a failure if the business fails. Now that does not mean I don't care. But there's also a disconnection from having to make it grow. Versus, if you're not growing, you're dying. I think that's BS. If you're growing in one area of your life and you're dying in another area of your life, are you growing? So a lot of people don't put this stain in context to, well, what are we talking about here? So my business is growing, but my relationship is dying. So are you growing? See, a lot of these guys that preach, If you're not growing, you're dying. Well, what are we talking about here? There's a lot of different areas in your life you can grow. It's very hard to grow in all areas at once. There's pressure. We create this pressure to grow, grow, grow. Well, what about being present? Maybe being present and not doing anything, that's a form of growth. So no I've, doubt. Had there, I've had to challenge a lot of thought processes that we hear from our you know, guys we look up to, whatever, who appear to have made it. But really, they're operating from fear, insecurity, anger, chip on their shoulder, trying to prove the world wrong, trying to prove everybody you know, themselves right. And we have to ask yourself, who identity am I building myself around? And that
0: is the beginning of figuring out what a better business looks like for you. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you have so many gold nuggets in there. I've got, got notes plastered all over the side of my screen off of that. And so there are a few things I want to dig into here, Vince. Um, first, you know, I'm very much wired the same way. I'm an achiever. I just want to push. And much of my original beginnings in, in business and as a coach began from me trying to overcome a past pain. And while pain itself can be an incredible driver, I think many people reach a point where that is no longer serving them, right? The same scripts running over and over again, they get to a point where, listen, is it good to be able to tap into that maybe anxiety, that pain that you had before to push hard? It can be, but there's also a downside. And a lot of times that downside is, as you mentioned, it's a lack of presence and sometimes getting misaligned with what your purpose truly is. And so I think what's what's really important for people in the realm of of business, of fitness, of everything else is understanding that your identity is not wrapped up just in your achievement. It's not wrapped up in what your business is. It's not wrapped up in what your physique looks like. It's the quality of who you are and the way that you can show up for those people who are most important for you and to live your truth. Right? It's to be congruent with that aspect. And another piece that you mentioned that's incredibly important is you're not always going to be growing in every aspect of your life. Sometimes you have to have to take a step back to be able to move forward Yeah. in the fitness realm. Where do we see this all the time? Well, we see people who want to be able to build muscle, lose fat, dunk a basketball and still be able to be there for their family while working 60 hours a week, building their, their dream business. That's great. I love the ambitious uh, ambitiousness. I love the drive. I love that you want to be able to put those things out. However, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And what we need to be able to understand is you need to be able to pick and choose those battles. So you can truly focus on improving them one at a time to truly get the best possible results. right? And you see this all the time on business, I'm sure. People who have maybe multiple different clients that they want to serve. They want to be an expert in every single different thing. But what happens? They get pulled into a million different directions and can never find traction. So when it comes to building that business that is that is simple, that truly is in alignment with who you are as a person, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see with business owners? Alright, a couple of things here. And um I actually pulled them up. Just did an
1: Instagram post on this. And I think the first thing is um uh, what is it not? A larger team. I think most people think and we can put this in context to the term a lot of people are familiar with, scaling. Oh, I need a scale. <laughs> what that even means to be honest. I need a scale. Okay. So a lot of people believe that scaling is a larger team. All right. A lot of other people think that um scaling is gonna require uh, dropping in profits. Uh, a lot of people believe that scaling is going to require bigger problems. Uh, scaling is going to require sacrificing fulfillment. And these are all things that can certainly happen. Uh, they, they can go along with scaling, certainly. Uh, but I don't believe we need to accept it. I believe we need to define scaling, just like we need to define success. Right? When you go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow, you have to know, was today successful or not? So we have to come up with our own life philosophies. Now, I'm not saying redefine truth. As a Christian, I look to the word of God as timeless truth. I'm not talking about redefining truth. What I'm talking about is your philosophy. What is your life philosophy? When you take these timeless truths, what's your philosophy? And what I'm developing here is a philosophy, a way of thinking. What if scaling is finishing by 3 p.m., Monday to Friday? What if scaling is taking every Friday off to spend the afternoon with your spouse and you jump in a car, you drop the kids off at school, you get in a workout, then you drive around, explore terrain you haven't seen, get a massage together, have a sitter and do an overnight and then come back the next morning, every Friday. And what if uh, scaling looks like, hey, we maintain our revenues, but we don't work weekends. In fact, no one on our team works weekends, not even our setters or our closers. Nobody works weekends. And what if scaling is a slight reduction in profits, but we're getting better client results and our students are succeeding and they're renewing at higher rates. And what if scaling is not going from 20 team members, but going down to 12 team members, but we have a higher functioning team that's coordinating action more effectively. And what if scaling is not launching new verticals and new streams of revenue, but scaling is just focusing on one of three projects. And I shouldn't even add the word just, but focus on one to three projects that we do really, really well. And what if scaling is not increasing our revenues, but it's actually now from a spirit of generosity, we're tithing 10% of our revenues to a charity or a church or some community that we believe in. I just think this whole concept of scaling is very one dimensional and we have to figure out what scaling looks like to you. Because most people's definition of scaling means more money. It just means more, 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 but at the cost of what, and we need to consider, are we willing to make that cost and the sacrifice that could come with scaling. You're seeing a lot of guys these days downsize their business. Individuals that hit 30 million a year and then 80 million a year, and now they're selling everything off and they're downsizing. Why are they doing that? It's the equivalent of guys going on steroids. Why are they coming off the steroids? If the steroids gave them so much identity, so much success, they made them so big and popular. Why are they coming off of them? Because steroids come at a cost. Scaling comes at a cost. And the only people that will say scaling does not come at a cost are people who are blind to their own blindness. I know that sounds very judgmental, but they are. It's true. Maybe they decide I'm not going to have a family. We're not going to have kids. Really? I'm not judging, but that's a sacrifice. Wow. We were called to produce. Hey, I'm not calling anyone else who decides not to have kids, but... I believe deep down there's a desire for people to produce and expand life. That's what a man does. So you you have to question what I'm saying. I'm, I'm stirring the pot here a bit because I'm trying to get people to snap out of this blindness that we're living in this matrix of lies and the devil is a liar. He comes here to confuse us. He's the father of confusion. So if you're confused, it's likely because you're, Buying into a philosophy that is not rooted in how you're wired and how you're made to be.
0: Yeah, that's incredibly powerful. You know, again, everything has a cost. You may want to push aggressively towards a goal, but are the trade-offs that you make with your personal life, are they worth it? Are they made are they worth it with your professional life? Are they worth it with your kids? And a lot of people push aimlessly to achieve certain things in life, whether it be financial rewards. Physical rewards, and they see these grandiose goals and set their expectations on what they want to have without actually considering what those trade offs are. And I think many times experience becomes the best teacher in this regard, where things get tough, and then you really have to take a step back and look and see wow, I was being successful based on what I thought success really meant, but I compromised. Maybe my values or my purpose and these different things that mean so much more. And so I think what's important to really understand is you can push for anything, but you have to understand that there are costs, both of that action and also of inaction that need to be considered along the way. And the root of it all comes down to knowing what is your purpose and what are you truly... What emotions do you truly want to experience on a regular level based on the efforts that you are putting forth? That's so powerful to look at it through the realm of of scaling in business, but potentially redefining on what that actually means. You know, Vince, what you mentioned with the scaling aspect, it hits home because you know in my business the last year we had some really really incredible months, and pretty soon I got to a point I was realizing I'm like, wow, I'm spending a lot more time though managing you know <laughs> managing my uh, my employees and my people and getting some of these things on or going versus really leaning into what my zone of excellence and expertise is. Right. And so getting clear on this purpose is not that it's right or wrong to have a different size business. It's about what's truly in alignment with you and with the values that you want to be able to have. And so seeing your journey, you know, as, as a friend and as, as a mentor to me has been incredibly powerful. And I, th- I think that speaks to the power of coaching in itself. Vince, you've had coaches for how many years between uh, having coaches really at home with, yeah. you know, with Papa Luch and then obviously with your business?
1: Well, started off, yeah, grade eight, Albert Sheerhart, uh, Guelph, I can't believe I just said that guy's name, Albert Shearhart, yeah, uh, Guelph uh, track law, then uh, yeah. uh, through university uh, or through high school, then it was Peter Grinsberg, and then Bob Biggers, and uh, have many coaches, uh, Primary athletic coaches, uh, my father has always been a mentor, uh, coach, if you will, uh, primarily I think uh, that has been a spiritual leader, uh, my mom too, my parents have been spiritual leaders, and um, Spiritual fathers, mothers, and then yeah, into the world of business. Uh, Jeff Russo, Murray Middlemost. and and then I moved into the world of internet marketing and discovered that uh, Sandra Celci. Nobody knows who this guy is. He was my first business mentor. Then Craig Ballantyne and Pedro Schooling and Dean Jackson, and Evan Pagan, and I got into the world of uh, lots of guys here. Some are not around anymore. Many still going. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of people who I've uh, allowed to speak into in my life, and I think that was um. I was actually a big theme. I was doing a bunch of half days this past weekend in Dallas, Texas, and I was just noticing the same trait amongst the individuals I was working with, uh, uh, Kate Ann Mitchell and, uh, Natalia Mello. Um, we were, you know, doing our half days, and, uh, I had Brian, uh, Vo and John Lee come up, and, uh, Candace and, uh, Daniel Sherber. And uh, Jason Brown, and these are all individuals I've just worked with in the last two weeks for half a day to a full day, and they all have one trait in common. Eric, you have the same trait. Um, Eric, you're actually one of the best. Uh, for those listening, like, oh, whenever thank Eric you. and I did that coaching calls, we have a, a Google document, and I don't know how long it is. You could check Eric if you want to verify. What's like Six? Pretty long. Maybe 60, seventy <laughs> pages, and it's full of everything documentation from our calls. Um, now, Eric wouldn't just bring questions, but he'd be taking notes during the calls. He'd be bringing things to the calls. And everything we discussed has been documented in one spot. And Eric has what I call the sphere of teachability, as well as the other individuals and all the people on our programming and anyone listening here. You have the sphere of teachability called the, the feedback of champions. Feedback, uh, feedback is the breakfast of champions, if you will. And being able to receive feedback and to remove your defensiveness one thing I've been learning through therapy is I'm very defensive. My therapist, one, Flabby and I are both on the call together. He has to say, Vince, remove the defensiveness from your voice. <laughs> I'm serious. He said, Vince, remove the defensiveness from your voice. And he probably has to say it like every time because I get so defensive in this one department. It's something I'm learning. Now, in the world of athletics and business, I, for some reason, I'm a lot more receptive. Um, Obviously, in a relationship, there's a lot more emotions. (laughs) But I think if you can even bring this spirit of teachability and this removal of defensiveness, man, you'll be unstoppable because you'll be able to open your mind up to new possibilities and new learnings and acknowledging blind spots. And I see it in all of our top students. You guys keep coming back for more. You guys haven't been in the program for a year, or two years. Some of you guys have been in the program for a year. so you you understand you don't know what you don't know, and I think this is a very common trait of all successful people. Uh, they have a humility about them, and what I and I like to just chat about humility first of all, because like, humility is a very interesting trait. A lot of people think humility is thinking uh, less of yourself. No, it's thinking less about yourself, and a hum- humility is. When you know what you're bringing to the table and nothing more. If you counter humility with its counterpart uh, trait, its arrogance, and arrogance is a fear of being exposed. It's an insecurity, and you have to be arrogant in order to ensure that people don't challenge you because you might get exposed. But deep, it's a deep-rooted insecurity and fear. So when you're uh, when you have a spirit of humility, you might be doing thirty to forty k months. You might already be doing. You might already be a millionaire. You might already be a multimillionaire. So you're here on the call to learn, hey, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Speak into my life because I'm teachable. I think as long as you're teachable, you'll have that ability to learn. The more you learn, the more you earn, right? The more you know, the more you grow. And uh, this, this applies to all areas of our life. So I think this is just something, I don't know how I figured it out, but I think it was always because I just never expected myself to be successful. And when I started to experience success, I'm like, I'm just going to let people keep telling me what to do. And I'm really good <laughs> when somebody just tells me what to do. Uh, eventually, you have to start trusting your own, your own wisdom as you grow more and more. But initially, just trusting other people's action or, uh, action orders, if you will, or marching uh, marching orders, that's what we call them, can get you pretty far when you don't question and you're able just to receive. And, and receive with gratitude. Wow. Wow, somebody's sharing with me stuff that they learned on their school of mistakes. I'm not going to waste this. And um, that's a real gift.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And especially where you mentioned humility is think it's thinking less about yourself, not less of yourself. I think that's such a crucial aspect to be able to have and to even have this open beginner's mind and being able to be receptive to feedback, even if you're incredibly knowledgeable about a subject right? We all see further when we stand on the shoulders of giants. And when you're the product of coaching, when you can start to see common threads between different coaches and underlying principles, this is when you can start to really develop that inner wisdom that you can take and become more self-sufficient in every single area of your life.
1: It's interesting. I share a quick, quick story. I don't mean to cut you off, but um, you know, a lot of people private message me and they know I've worked with Pedros recently and he's got his private one-on-one coaching and I think he's increased his rate. So I think I got a deal for a hundred K for the year <laughs> paid in full. Yeah. People want to know like, what's he teaching you? Like, what are you learning for that price point? And I thought it was really interesting what our first call was about. You won't even guess. So our first call, this was uh, December 28th, uh, 20, uh, 21. And, um, I just expressed some, um, Imposter syndrome issues. And I specifically talked about my gut. I was 227 pounds. And my fight weight's closer to 205. That's where I look my best. I look my best. I'm lean. I'm muscular. Jaw. Face. Just everything looks a lot better. So veins, yeah. like, you know, you know, everybody's got that.
0: fight I get it, man. Yeah. Fight weight.
1: Fight. I call it fight weight, right? This is your fighting weight. This is the weight you step into the ring. And I was far off my fight weight. So what was the first piece of advice that he gave me? He said, he said, you either need to do the project or 75 hard. I accepted to do 75 hard. I rounded up a bunch of guys within 75 days. I went from 227 down to 204 and I got back in a fight weight. And it was crazy because his, like, that's fitness advice. I hired him for business coaching, I hired him to scale my business. Why don't we start with fitness stuff? It's like you have to get rid of your gut. I, I the way he said is, you need to fix that. <laughs> <You need laughs> that's it. great. That's a problem. That's, that's broken and I have to take ownership of the fact that I've gone three years. Why haven't I been able to scale my business? How, why is it like experiencing the same issues has nothing to do with our systems or tactics or strategies? Do we need some of that? Sure. But if there's a constant imposter syndrome, I will feel unworthy of the next level. I had to deal with my inner voice and find the strength in it again. And because I wasn't honoring my own commitments of watching my diet and I was vicing on alcohol far too regularly, I felt like any further success was undeserving. So I would seek self-sabotage and I would screw up any advice he'd give me. So we had to start there so that the advice that he gave me would actually be utilized. Huh, that takes a pretty confident coach to tell somebody who gave them $100,000 for business coaching to start off first session, you need to lose your gut. I didn't hire you for my fitness advice. I, I could have hired anybody for fitness advice. He saw something I didn't see. That's what a good coach does. And I thought that was like, you know, flab-ass. Something. So what did he teach you? We paid all, We just wired that big chunk of money. He's like, I got to do 75 hard. Oh, don't you already know that? Yeah, but I needed him to tell me that. Interesting.
0: That's so powerful, right? So many times there are things that we know that we need to do and we're simply not getting them done on our own. And people will go in circles. For weeks, months, years, not getting the things done that they know they need to get done. And it just continues that same script over and over again. And that glass ceiling stays above and it can't break through. And ultimately, you know, something else that Pedro says is listen, you know, you build self-confidence, you build motivation by making big promises to yourself and keeping them. And ultimately, you know. Connecting this aspect of of your fitness over to business is so profound because when you look the way that you feel best, when you can walk into a room with confidence, when you don't have these small beliefs, these small kind of ticks in the back of your mind when you're on camera, when you're walking into the office, you show up as that best version of yourself. And when you do that day in, day out, it's amazing the, the accomplishments that you have. And the number of times that I've had clients who lose 20 or 30 pounds, and they feel so much better, that energy that they have to show up as the best version of themselves actually end up getting bigger deals and promotions professionally is crazy. And while that's not the underlying goal of our Look Great Naked coaching program, fitness is a force multiplier. When you are healthy, when you are looking and feeling your best, you show up as a better version of yourself across the board. Now it doesn't mean that you don't that you know you just take a bunch of gear and get in incredible shape. No, you have to do it in a way that's truly in alignment with you and with your purpose. But if you do so, that can lead to some profound changes in terms of every other area of your life. Now, Vince, one thing I want to touch on because I know I know you've got the jet in a minute, but what does your training look like these days? Obviously, obviously, hey, you've got you've got young kids, you've got a business, you just built a house in a different country. You're a busy guy, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, what does your training look like? these days
1: yeah it goes in seasons uh right now i'm following a program called the ripped runner so i'm doing a three full body workouts a week right now uh lower volume heavier trying to pb on lifts and then i'm running three times a week as well so there there's a walk day then there's a run slash uh, interval day um and then there's a, a day that's just building up to longer blocks of running so last one i did was 10 minutes two minutes off eight minutes, two minutes off, six minutes, two minutes off. So it's building up the volume. So uh, it's pretty straightforward right now. And uh, I like to switch it up every six to 12 weeks with a different goal. But um, I find uh, I don't have like a crazy ambitious goal, but I'm definitely consistent. I think that's uh, that's a great quality of a man. Uh, Somebody's consistent all year long. So my training is consistent and uh, I feel really good right now. Feel really good. Three full bodies, shorter workouts, heavier lifts, and, um, with some running in there and, uh, I'd like to get into maybe a little more mobility work, but right now my body feels great. It's pretty much it. Nothing fancy right now, but it's, it's, it's the focus for now. I want to, I want to run a, a sub 25 minute 5k, um, which is not that fast, but it's, it's something that would be, see how I did that. I just create a pressure on myself. You see that? Yeah. See what I just did
0: there? create pressure on myself. <laughs> I'm going to run a 25-minute fat 5K. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Vince, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that shift in your programming because um, we haven't had a conversation about your workouts for a while. That's basically exactly what I'm doing right now. It's so exactly. It's, yeah. You running, gonna, you're running right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually been doing a little bit more running right now. I've got a, I've got a sprint day, one day per week, and then two, uh, two distance days right now where I'm just doing time runs. That's um, something really? just to get me out of my comfort zone. You know, I was always a sprint athlete, 100, you know, stuff like that. So anything longer than about 10 seconds felt like overwhelming cardio or punishment for something like, uh, you know, messing up a play in football. And so for me, it's been a great challenge to take me out of my comfort zone and, you know, just experience a different aspect of of health and wellness than just living in the gym.
1: Yeah, I think outside your comfort zone, uh, most people think of that in terms of like physically harder. I would even say that um, it's emotionally harder because I go with i I don't bring my um, phone. Um, I just have a watch on, which is old school. Like remember those days where you go out and you run with just your Timex Ironman watch, and you wouldn't have a phone or AirPods, or you weren't taking calls or checking your Slack channel. So it's just a it's a peaceful time to be in my thoughts. No intention other than the primary thing I'm doing right there. It, it just, again, I think it goes back to that purity. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great opportunity just to be present. And you get a lot of time to think and, and feel. And I always get a lot of ideas unlocked when I, when I just spend time in my thoughts as well. So i served a multitude of purposes for me right now in my season.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's crucial. And being able to find that carve out that time of presence where you don't have a million different notifications going off allows you to really allow that subconscious to do some work for you. Right. Yes. And, and some of that's where your, your biggest breakthroughs come, not just professionally, but spiritually, personally across the board. And I think that's such a powerful thing to be able to do. Well, Vince, thank you so much for being here, man. Where can we find out more about you?
1: The uh, best spot would be Instagram at Vince Del Monte. That's the same for YouTube and podcast, the Vince Del Monte podcast
0: show. So best place to start is um, Instagram at Vince Del Monte. Blue verified check Mark, they'll see it. All right, Vince, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom here. Cannot wait to get this out and I will talk to you soon. Hey, it's Eric here again. Now there are three ways that I can help you look great naked. Number one, if you want to grab a free copy of the Look Great Naked Protocol to help you lose body fat without counting calories, then go to BachPerformance.com backslash free training. Number two, if you're a busy guy looking to build muscle, then I recommend checking out our Minimalist Muscle Blitz, which has helped over 1,000 men build muscle without living in the gym. Just go to MinimalistMuscleBlitz.com. The link will also be available in the show notes. Or number three, and last, if you want to work with me directly and get the best results possible, apply at bachperformance.com backslash coaching to look great naked without living in the gym. Until next time, my friend.